I start, thank you for listening. This is the Ignition Podcast. Get ready to fuel your passion for cars and motorsport every Monday and Thursday. We bring you stories, valuable career tips and tricks that will help you navigate the automotive world. So don't miss out. Follow the Ignition Podcast now and join the drive towards becoming the number one automotive podcast worldwide. Let's embark on this thrilling journey together. Enjoy the episode. Joe Penny started his channel as another way to achieve the cars he's always wanted. Realising at an early age that working with someone was never going to give him what he wanted in life. Joe has been talking about his passion and slowly growing his YouTube channel in aims to achieve that goal even sooner. This episode is to show you that even if you start small, starting is all that matters. And if you do start, then you'll be thanking yourself in the future. It might even lead you to driving around in that Ferrari. Who knows? Being able to speak to amazing people and release their conversations every week is such a pleasure. And it means so much to me that people like you get to listen to this every week. And the fact that you're continuing to listen means even more. But I wanted to ask for a bit more support. I've started a Buy Me A Coffee. You can go onto the link down in the show notes below, click and donate as little or as much as you'd like. It would help me produce better content, keep the editing up, and just in general have better conversations so I can travel further and bring you better guests. If this sounds like something you'd like to help me with, the link will be in the show notes below. Again, thank you so much for listening. It's enough already. And so enjoy this episode. Gone out and worked with the sole purpose of just buying a nice car. I quickly realized that there wasn't really going to be a job out there working for someone else that was ever going to buy me the cars that I aim and aspire to have. A lot of entrepreneurs don't go to university, don't go to college. They just start a thing, work hard. Most of it was just like, do it. Don't think too much, just go and do it. A lot of it's luck, of course. Just opening yourself up to all the opportunities, constantly replying to all your comments on YouTube. I've met a lot of great people through that. My channel just isn't about the cheap runabouts. It's not about the little one-litre datchers. And like I said earlier, unless it's interesting, it's got a big engine, loads of power, or just something unique, it's just not going to come across. So I would just give you three supercars. So normally I have like a 10-car garage. My first one would be... Joe, what ignited your passion for cars? Um, I think it started really early for me. Um, Growing up, um, my mum would always tell me stories about my granddad, who was very much into his cars. Um, He actually bought a 1958 Vauxhall Cresta in pink. Back in the 50s, to have a pink car was kind (laughs) of very weird. He bought it in Lagos and had it brought into the country on... um, on a ship so I think to do something like that you have to be like really into your cars and I think that's just sort of that's how where where it's all come from for me and as as early as I can remember I've just been literally obsessed with cars (laughs) yeah and I know that I it's my like my I kind of came from like little toy cars die casts and so I like I would be bought these little cars and I'd take them around I'd you know pretty much bring them ever with me They'd be on the floor in the, in the house and I'd kind of like make little drift circuits or I'd pretend I'm at a car meet and I'd bind them all up or you'd make little stories. I think that's, yeah, it's really just, you know, your imagination and being able to do that with your cars nowadays as well is, is that it kind of creates stories in your head and you're able to elaborate on your passion really. Yeah. And I think it starts with sort of stories of cars, toy cars. You then move over to, I mean, for me, it was just anything with wheels. And then I just moved over to, you know, then ride on tractors with the pedals. I had one of those had the really plastic hard wheels and they were cracked because I went on it so much that they were just smooth and broke apart doing burnout through that. And I think I've, I've always just been into anything with wheels apart from motorbikes, really. 
just cars, four wheels. Yeah, and I look at motorbikes and I go, I really want to get into that, but I feel like I'd have to give it a good time to research what bikes to start off with. And because you know, I understand the whole like like the CC and the literature of bikes, but you know, it'd be something I really want to try. But I'm think I'm still I'm still exploring cars. Like there's so much history with them as well. Like it's such a big topic. I think being doing cars and bikes, you've got to have an incredible knowledge of both to make any sense. I think I didn't really trust myself to get into bikes. I think I showed a little bit of interest when I was younger. My parents were like, "Oh no, he's looking at he's looking at Ducatis," but that soon went away and it's probably a good job to be fair. <laughs> hmm. Speaking of your parents, were they, were they any influence in your cars? Were, you, were your mum or dad into, into them at all? Or was um, it just my mom, passed down from, you know, you? Yeah. So my mum liked her cars. Hmm. Um, neither of them had anything like sort of that interesting growing up. Um, but I do just remember I liked being in the car, whatever the car was. Um, I just liked spending time in cars and, yeah, but neither of them had anything like particularly interesting. My dad did buy an MX-5 like later on in life, which was quite fun. Um, but no, nothing really interesting. It was I don't know where it came from with me. I think um, like my YouTube channel is called Joe Talks Cars, and that's because my parents used to say, "Joe, stop talking cars." So that's where the channel name came from. <laughs> that makes perfect sense, if you know, because I mean, I again, like I wasn't. My dad was always into cars. My mum didn't really have an affinity for them. So like, I, we, can't, we kind of bonded over that. But yeah, he never had any like interesting... The, the, I think the quickest thing he owned was an Audi A4. Um, so, you know, that's like kind of what I was, I was exposed to growing up. I think, you know, the lack of... Maybe the lack of cool cars or maybe seeing other people with those. Like my neighbours had WRXs, M3s. So like... And he lives right across the road. So for me, I think that's where it kind of, you know, really sort of stemmed from. I, I want to be able to, you know, drive that or... I want to see that and um, that's for me like you know an absence of something kind of I don't know creates a need for it and so Joe when you were like growing up as, as, as a kid and you you know you, you talk, you're constantly talking about cars did you find people at school to talk to cars about did with teachers you know or people around you your parents are they happy for you to because your mum told you not to talk so much about cars so I don't know how, how you felt at school growing up with, with, with a car passion how, how did that go um I think in primary school, probably not so much. Um, but mm. once I got to secondary school and you start meeting like older people that have been around cars, got an interest in cars, and you can share that passion, then I did have like a small group of friends, not many, but a small group of friends that were probably equally obsessed. So you'd all go home and watch Top Gear 8 o'clock on a Sunday and come to school on Monday and talk about it. So there was like a little group of friends that were very much into their cars. Um Computer games played a big part in that. So we would all play on Project Gotham Racing, which was a really old game. Um, no online racing or anything. So we used to like write down what time we'd got on some of the tracks and then come into school and go, well, I did that. So yeah, there was a small group of friends that we were all sort of very similar, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't really have a lot of people. I think I had a couple of guys. Um, one of them I'm still in contact with, you know, at, at secondary school, that like cars were interested in cars. I didn't really talk about it a lot because I didn't think people were interested. So I kind of just pretended to like football. I think that was I was kind of like, if I pretend to like football, people are going to, you know, if you, as you do as a kid, you know, you try and fit in. And like football was the thing. I was like, oh, I support Arsenal. I knew nothing about the team. I knew nothing about the Premier League or what was going on. I just pretended to like the team. But yeah, no. Yeah, I think you either like football or you like cars. And I certainly did not like football. I didn't like any form of sports or going outside in the rain. So cars were just something that I've always been of passionate about and above all else really and it's just stuck 
Yeah, it is, doesn't it? It's like a itch or a bug or an addiction to these things. And I think that, mm. especially, I don't know for you, Joe, but for me, like when I left school, it was kind of like, all right, I've got to work with these things. I've got to do this. Was it similar for you? Did you like jump straight into a career with cars? Or what was your experience with that? So I jumped straight into work because I knew I wanted to um, buy a car, obviously. So I went into full-time mm. work. I've never, I've not worked in the automotive industry at all. Um, I dabbled in um car sales but that was a very short period of time it was terrible um but no I've not really worked in that industry but I've always gone out and worked with the sole purpose of just buying a nice car um but I think I quickly realized that there wasn't really going to be a job out there that was going to get paid to do working for someone else that mm. was ever going to buy me the cars that I aim and aspire to have so I was always kind of wanting to go down the self-employment route so I've always had sort of little side hustles along the way until what eventually led me to to YouTube, really. Mm. And so why, why didn't you go to university? Why was, was was that on the cards? Was it just you wanted to start working to buy cars? Was that the main thing? Or was there somewhere along the line, you're like, university isn't really for me. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, what options were available to you, what, you're, what you were showing from your teachers and stuff, or was it just you, knew you wanted to work? Yeah, I think it was just I wanted to work. Um, my parents had a little grocery shop, so I used to help them with that. So that was sort of like self-employment. And growing up, my mum used to tell me stories of my um, of her cousin, who still has got a nice collection of cars, but used to have like 15 Rolls Royces, which used to rent out in London. He was self-employed. He, I think he did go to university, but I don't know if he finished it. But it was all about go out, work, become your own boss and afford these nice things so for me like university wasn't really something that was I didn't feel that I was capable of doing it either but certainly not something I wanted to do yeah I think if you're exposed to you know that great especially how, how old you were when you were working the grocery shop how old were you at all I was like know? 15 16 so I would cycle there after school so yeah about 15 mm. yeah I'm just wondering for you like, what you think that you were exposed to at that point what did you like mm. what did you learn from you know watching your parents own a grocery store was there lessons you kind of picked out and thought i like that it's okay to talk right well tacona is a brand that's changing mental health awareness i have always been one that's found it hard to talk and that my feelings well they weren't exactly best spoken once i found tacona and learned more about what lewis does i was amazed that a clothing brand is making people aware just with one simple logo if you see a tacona t-shirt a shirt a cap a hat a sticker whatever it is you know that person knows it's okay to talk and because they want to help spread the message Tacona is giving us 10% off if you listen to this podcast in the show notes below will be linked to the website and if you use code ignition10 you get 10% off store-wide products so enjoy and enjoy the rest of the episode yeah there was and also the customers so we lived we had the shop in quite an affluent area everyone that came in that had a nice car, which were like Bentleys, there was Ferraris, all sorts of different customers would come in with these cars. Every single one of them used to work for themselves. They never worked for anyone. They never really went to university. And you heard that time and time again. And you see that a lot and you hear about it a lot on podcasts. A lot of entrepreneurs mm. don't go to university, don't go to college. They just start a thing, work hard and achieve their dreams and get all these fancy cars and whatever else that they want from life. Yeah. And so was it, was there a reason you didn't just go jump straight into self-employment? Was there a reason you didn't find, you know, a, a, just a, a find a career, you know, do something with, with yourself from the start point? Was it, was it money? Was, what was the, the, I guess the friction to, cause if you, you know, you're doing YouTube, but what was the friction before then to just, just start something straight out of school? 
yeah, it was just, it was easy, wasn't it? To, especially back then, just to get a job and go out and get PAYE, get a set amount of money every month. And when you're living at home with zero expenses, mm. you can go, right, I get that much money. I can put all that into a car. And it's exactly what I did. <laughs> Spent everything. I mean, to that point, what what, what made you go from the, the job you were doing at the time to certain point? Was there a... Now, were you scratching an itch? Were you was it an escape from work? What were you trying to find in, in YouTube? Was it something that you liked about the platform itself? Or yeah, so I've had a few businesses before. I would consider YouTube this to be my little business. It's I still work full time. This is like a side hustle, but it's growing nicely. But I've always had like side hustles, whether that be car valeting. I brought my own range of detailing products. I sold detailing products. Everything was around cars and it was to spend my time going to car shows, earning money and not going into work. I think it was just not having my own boss, but also trying to get into something car related. Um, it ultimately led to YouTube because all the businesses prior to that I had stock. So I had a lot of cash tied up in physical products. And if people didn't buy them, you've literally got a garage full of money, which you don't earn from you can't do anything with and then youtube it was kind of like i am the product and i can just do videos online people can watch them at any time anywhere in the world and you get a little bit of money from it and for me that's just amazing really you don't there's very little expense and anyone can do it you just got to go and give it a go yeah and so what was filming that first video like did you have a plan did you like you know so did you plan out the youtube channel um, did you sort of go, right, I'm going to start creating content on these cars or I want to talk about this was, I'm trying to think of people that want to start their own YouTube channel now and listening, listening to your story could be a great example of what to do, what not to do. Even. Yeah. So the idea just came about during lockdown as most people's have. Um, I was furloughed from a job that I had at university. I was furloughed for like a year or over a year, actually. Um, just spent a lot of time just watching the usual YouTubers like Supercars of London, TGE, Archie and watching all those and thinking, I probably could do something with this. At the time, I, like, I have quite a nice car. I've got a little Porsche Cayman. And I thought, I wonder if people want to see this. So I just got my iPhone, used its internal mic, cheap phone mount, and just sort of went out and gave it a go. I didn't really plan it because I had looked on YouTube a little bit, do you know, about like um, sort of the guides and people that give advice on growing a YouTube channel. There's a lot of channels out there doing it. And most of it was just like, just do it. Don't think too much. Just go and do it. And I didn't tell anyone I'd done it. I just went out, filmed myself driving along. It's a terrible, terrible video. Anyone can go back and put oldest first and see it. it's terrible. Um, but it did good views. And I built up 100 subscribers pretty quickly. Um, and then when I reached 100, 100 subscribers, I said to my wife, I've been making YouTube videos and I've got 100 subscribers. <laughs> Before then, I didn't tell anyone. Yeah, I I, I remember starting to put this podcast onto video, and I was like, I don't know, it's not it's not as dynamic as car content. It's not dynamic as you know, building a car. This it's just two of us speaking, which you know, some people is enough to have on the background. I don't really have to worry about people watching it. It just has to be on YouTube, it has to be accessible. And I remember getting the, the first hundred, and I was like, great, cool. And then the kind of I was like, I don't know what to do now because where, where do I go? Did you, what did you look at? Did you, did you, Joe, start looking at sort of um, you know, changing the content up, start planning it more from the first 100? What did it, did, what did it do for you in like mentally? Did it change your view on it or go, did you, did you still want to just make car videos after that? 
um, it just gave me a huge confidence boost. So I put the first video out and thought, oh, it's just, it was really difficult to edit because every time I paused or made a mistake or, and I edited it all out and it's very robotic and it's, it's not a good video, but no one's first video ever is. And the feedback I got from comments were just so positive and people just wanted to see more of the car. So I thought, I'm probably onto something here because I've bought an old Porsche that's quite accessible to buy, but potentially horrendous to run. And people found out later on that it was extremely expensive to run. Um, and I think people just like following that journey, really. So it just gave me a really good boost and it encouraged me just to make more of more of the same sort of thing, but stick with like what I would consider to be like luxury car brands and not really delve into any lower. Yeah, and is, is there a is there a thing that you can maybe tell like if people do want to start their first channel, like you say you know you mentioned earlier, just said just do it. But is there anything you devise? Maybe I don't know. Would you plan scripting? Or what would you say to people that want to start a channel? Is there things like must do's, must not do's? So a lot of people say um, you should always script your videos, plan them out. I don't feel that that works for me. It might work for other people, but it doesn't work for me because I just then feel pressured into making sure I've said this, this, and this. I tend to obviously think of the subject so it might be I'm going to drive I don't know like when I drove a Ferrari the first time you know you're going to drive that car do a little bit of research in the key facts and figures but then just go out and film it and just show your honest reaction and for me it's not about editing the videos like thoroughly you want to leave in the little mistakes the little bits of where you're pausing or you say something wrong and you correct yourself and I think leaving all that in as daft as it sounds, it comes across way more personal. And all my new videos, there's a bit more of that, whereas the early ones, you can see the cuts in the edit where I've either gone, um, oh, or thought about something like that, and then I've cut it out. And it doesn't, doesn't really work as well. So I think just finding something that you're passionate about and just going out and filming it and not really worrying about the comments or what people are going to think or any of that, just relax and enjoy it. Yeah, I think the Ferrari is an interesting one because how did you convince a guy to give you a Ferrari um, out of interest? How does, that, how does that work? started my YouTube channel in 2021 and I hadn't even reached a 1,000 subscribers. In fact, I don't think I was anywhere close. And I met a couple of guys at the Motorist Hub in Leeds, which is like Caffeine and Machine, but like a northern version. And they were, they'd started out their YouTube channel, but part of like um, a garage not too far from me. So de a dealership selling sports cars and stuff but it turned out that garage was actually where I bought my Porsche from so when we started talking they realized oh that's where you got the Porsche from and we started talking and then they invited me to come and have a look at the stock so I went to do a video just on the stock and he just threw me the keys to the Ferrari and went I bet no one's thrown you the keys to a Ferrari before and I drove around York in a Ferrari F430 Spider, <laughs> just out of the blue within a year of starting my YouTube channel it's a great thing to say it is, Joe. It's a great testament to just, you know, being open about and talking about what you do because I found that I I was quite, you know, I, like yourself with the 100 subscribers, I didn't tell anyone that I did a podcast. I was, you know, I think I put a post on my Instagram just like, oh, I've started this podcast. And then I, there was no, I didn't put any content out on my personal Instagram. I just kind of, you know, started chugging along. And after a year, you know, I, I'd spoken to some cool people and then, you know, people started realizing, oh, you've spoken to, you know, Mike Fernie or you've spoken to, you know, Andre and I just went, yeah, no, but I've just say like, I didn't really speak about it. But let's say if you open yourself up to having conversations with that garage, for instance, it gets you stuff like the Ferrari. I think 
if you could do it again, would you, what would you do differently or what would you, would you speak to more garages? I mean, how do you get the cars now, for instance, if people want to know what you drive? Cause you, you've got some pretty cool stuff in your channel. Yeah. So I think if I started again, I probably wouldn't have changed much. I think a lot of it's luck, of course, but I think just opening yourself up to all the opportunities. So constantly replying to all your comments on YouTube. I've met a lot of great people through that. Um, Instagram's perfect. Always checking your DMs because people message you and people literally do throw your keys to cars. It's it's really strange. I don't know whether that's because they like the way I come across in my videos or or something like that. Maybe they see me driving and I respect cars. I don't do donuts in them. I don't drive dangerously on my channel or anything like that. And I think people have just come along and, and handed me cars. And I think a big part of that is because I have a Porsche and the Porsche community above any other community that I've been involved in are just the most friendly down to earth people you'll ever meet. I've met some really good people through different clubs I'm in. And I think the Porsche community are just super friendly. Pull into a petrol station and people, another person with a Porsche will just talk to you about your Porsche and you can build really good connections that way. And I've driven GT3s, I've driven all sorts of things since starting my channel, which never really thought possible. Um, I've driven hundreds of cars since starting, a lot of them Porsche. So it's nice to be trusted with that. And it's interesting because what you're doing is, is, isn't is car journalism, but it is in a way because you're, you know, you're talking about the cars, you're showing people off the, the thing, but you're doing it from a, because your background isn't in journalism. So you're kind of just no. doing it from the average person perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say like a lot of people, and to be fair on my LinkedIn, it does say car journalist, presenter and all these things because it sort of is car journalism, but I don't feel that you can call yourself really a car journalist because people go to study to be a journalist. I'm not a journalist. I can't write. Um, but yeah, it's more presenting, more content creator, influencer, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it does show that anyone can do it. I wasn't very confident at school. I wasn't very confident before I started YouTube. And then after a while, mm. you just you just slowly get better at it and care less what people think. Yeah. And it's, it's confidence. Like you've, you know, struggled with in the past. You say you weren't very confident at school. Was there a reason for that at all? No, just naturally very reserved. Um, never really put myself forward for anything. I remember one occasion at primary school and they were doing a, like a nativity or something. I think it was a nativity mm. and it was like, who wants to, you could volunteer to do different roles. And I would always be like, I'll be the tree or whatever in the background. I, or villager seven or whatever it would be but um yeah they did this thing and I, and I was like oh i may as well just put myself forward for this i'll just go for it and then they were kind of like no nah, i don't think i don't think you'd 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 be very good doing that i don't think it'd be very good for you we'll pick someone else so that was that and never really ever dabbled in anything to do with public speaking i barely did a speech at my wedding because i just i just can't speak in front of people if i got married now again then yeah i would do and do a speech but back then i was yeah no and that was only 2017 so it shows the difference mm. it makes no i think it's a good point because you know i think a lot of people benefit from as much as we you know we talk about the the detrimental effects of covid i think that a lot of people came out of covid and did really like completely changed them i think that once you're shown what you know what you can reduce life down to i know like even in the uk we're still very privileged because you know we got furlough, we, you know, didn't some, there's some people that are worse off, but you know, even if you are living in a house, you're still isolated. You still can't go out. And I think that shows the, like shows me, especially show, it showed me like 
how not bad life can be, but you know what the extremes are. If you know if you don't actually put yourself out there, or for if you are quite reserved, it can be detrimental. I think that's fantastic that you've kind of started a channel after COVID, and you kind of gone right, cool. Now I'm going to start pursuing my passion fully. And what does your what does your wife think of this as well, Joe? Is it? I think she's quite her thoughts. Yeah, she's very supportive. She allows me to go off on all these events because the way I've found it as well, I've been invited by a lot of manufacturers to go to different events. And it tends to be last minute. It's like, are you free on Friday to come to Scotland? And we've got a small child and she's always like, yeah, you need to go, you need to go. And she's always helping me. I mean, she's been down to like a, a massive like journalism day called the SMMT. She's been down there, helped me film it. And yeah, she just mm. gives me the freedom to to pursue it. And I think she sees the potential in it as well. Like it's grown really well and she sees the opportunities that it does bring so yeah i think she's very proud oh great and uh, i guess i'm guessing you, your relationship's probably been strengthened by this as well like you know you guys probably got you know, bonded over the fact that you now get to you know do your thing and when it comes to when it comes to the um, your, your child as well like you know, showing you know you'll be doing this and your, your, your kid will grow up and they'll see you doing it and it'll be an example for them to so, show them again cheesy but show them what's possible with, with the passion like the, the whole podcast is about i think that's that's really cool and the thing with YouTube is when I started, it was during lockdowns, the views were, were there and the views have tailed off a bit for most people. Mine hasn't because it's only small anyway. Um, but the motivation to keep going was there because the views were coming in. Everything I put out got views, more views, more subscribers, better comments, and it kind of spurs you on. And then when you even have a slight doubt, which everyone does, is could I can I keep continuing with this because it's slow? Audi will drop you an email and say, do you want to come down to a fancy hotel and we'll put you up in a hotel and you can take out all the cars and you get people following you around with cameras to take professional pictures and lovely food and you get all these all this access to cars that you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to have. And I think that motivates you like more to do it. And that's why it's been, I would say it's been quite easy for me to keep going with this because I had sort of not instant success, but I had tentative signs that it was going to be successful. You got a plan for the future. Is there something you got, you want to achieve? Is there a brand you really want to work with? Is there anything along the lines of the stuff you'd, you really want to try? Have you, have you thought about that sort of side of it as well? Yeah. So I want to work with more brands. Um, Porsche being one of them, I've been trying, it's um, a constant battle with um, sort of PR teams. You've got to kind of build a relationship with these companies and, um, and to try and get a few more press cars because when you go to events and you've got a car for an hour and a half, you, it's very, very difficult to make content on that. It's very difficult mm. to give you sort of view on that in such a short space of time. So to get some press cars would be amazing. I've actually got one coming next month, my first ever press car. Um, so that's super exciting. So just more of the same sort of thing meet more people and yeah. have more opportunities really yeah and is it, it I'm, I'm interested can you, can you tell me what the car is yeah it's a genesis g80 electrified yeah oh okay cool yeah. so it's a very very unusual car um we're driving it to paris and back and gonna make loads of content on it so mm. it should be really interesting but um yeah there's a lot of channels that are similar size to mine that have got endless supplies of press cars and without sounding like a bit stuck up about cars but my channel just isn't about the cheap runabouts it's not about the little one liter datchers and all that sort of stuff and if you do pursue that side of it which is fine if that's what you're interested in the press cars are easier to get and i do see a lot of people getting 
many different cars, Suzuki, Swifts, all sorts delivered. But for me, it just wouldn't come across on camera. Like I said earlier, it's all about mm. my like feelings towards the car, my natural response to it. And unless it's interesting, it's got a big engine, loads of power or it, just something unique. It's just not going to come across. I'm not going to be able to do a review on like what I would consider to be quite a boring car. I would struggle. So I've only ever pursued the sort of higher end brands, which makes it really hard. So to, for Genesis to give me the opportunity to borrow this car is just huge. It's huge. Hmm, that's great. And what is your opinion on electric cars? I know for, because I mean, for me, it's kind of I guess I don't see them as a as a way forward. It's more of a stepping stone because I, I mean I'm really interested in the um, alternative fuels side of things. I think there's a lot to be said there about you know the fact that there's zero emissions, there's not a lot of carbon put into it. You know, it's actually taking carbon out of the atmosphere. But yeah, future. What is your what's your view on electric and, and where it's going? So it's a really interesting question because it's something that we I talk about with a lot of friends about electric cars and I've spent a lot of time in electric cars and the actual cars themselves I love. Um, having a car for a couple of hours and accelerating really hard off roundabouts and just enjoying the power that they deliver and the simplicity of everything and they're just fantastic and you can't, I think even as a petrol head, you can't get into an Audi RS, like the e-tron RS and say, so it's the e-tron GTRS. You can't get into that, which I've driven, and say it's not fun because it is fun because it slams you into your seat like a Veyron. So it, it is fun, but when it comes to owning one, it has its challenges. Um, I was lucky enough to be lent a Fiat 500e for a full month. I got sponsored very early into my channel and um, had that for an entire month. Got no plug at home, so it was just a case of plug it in at mcdonald's which is the only charger near me and it didn't really affect my life that much there was a couple of occasions where it was like oh, i've got to go and charge the car and that isn't a two minute job on the way home that's that's 20 minutes at mcdonald's so there was a couple of occasions where it was annoying um but i think electric cars do have a place i don't think it's the alternative to internal combustion it, it it just isn't because it's worse than what we've got. It's better in terms of performance and servicing and potentially reliability because there's less moving parts and they're just easier. But as an alternative to internal combustion, I just don't see them being a full alternative. I would happily have an electric car as like a second car. So I'd have like my V8 twin turbo KN, to KN or something like that. And then I'd have a Fiat 500 as a second car that that would be fine because for most people 120 mile range is that's all you got from that is perfectly adequate 95 percent of the time so it's it's so they do have a place and if we had a plug at home that car would have been absolutely amazing because we never went more than 120 miles in it at once yeah and have you thought much about you know obviously we're talking about the future of the car industry have you thought much about ai and where that fits in as well in terms of like the technology with like scanning roads and autonomous driving and that sort of thing, I think that does complement what we already have. I don't think fitting sensors to cars that will break for you in the event of an a potential accident is a bad thing. I think bring on all that sort of stuff. Lane departure probably would just rather not have that. Most people turn it off. But I think AI in terms of like the technology, I think it just complements what we already have. I don't think it needs to be an electric car to have all this tech in it. We seem to, 
find that electric cars are just filled with tech and that's what defines them whereas i think you could have internal combustion and lots of fancy ai tech in it and have the best of both worlds um but joe we took, we took a look at the end of the end of the podcast and i saw like five questions at the end that's sort of a quick quick go um but the first one is what is your ultimate three car garage so i would just give you three supercars so normally i have like a 10 car garage i would just give you three supercars but i'm not going to do that because that's boring um my first one would be a rolls royce phantom the sort of the nice like the newer car but like 2003 2004 that kind of generation because i feel that that would just do everything you need a car to do it's fast powerful timeless I would daily that <laughs> if money was no object, I would daily a phantom. I just think it fits into every single situation. It wouldn't offend anyone too much. Um, and then a supercar, you've got to have a supercar in there. I'd probably get, it'd have to be a Ferrari, like Ferrari is the ultimate dream. So an 812 super fast mm. because it's just, I love nice. the long bonnet Ferraris. I like the mid engine ones. I drove an F430, but the long bonnet ones for me, they're the they're the pinnacle of Ferrari. I just love them. Um, and third, it'd have to be a Porsche. I can't neglect Porsche, so I'd have to have a Porsche. I wouldn't be actually that fussy which one. It'd be a 911, but I wouldn't be fussy which one, but I would want a Ruby Star one because I just like that colour. In fact, I want to order mm. one one day. So a Ruby Star 911, maybe the 991 Carrera, just a standard car with rear seats, comfy front seats, just to was about in and just nice pure sports car yeah there's always a lot there's a, when I ask that question there's a lot of um a lot of Porsches I think it's, for, it's a good, for a good reason it's a great car company and it's saying that you know they've got it right regardless of what you look at the, the car model if you go for Panamera or you say you know you go for a Cayenne or a Macan you know the car that it is is the best in class in my opinion yeah. um for what it does and, and the, the power it delivers as well I think it's a great great choice um but yeah Joe the, ne- the next question is one car to drive on any road or track, where would you go? What would you take? God, it's, it's hard to even think. So the Nürburgring for me, because I've been four times, and I know everyone probably says the Nürburgring, mm. but anyone that's driven it will understand. It's so addictive. It's ridiculous. And the car, oh, as mad as it sounds, because I've been around in some fast things, I would... I would go around in a 1965 MGB because it would okay. take forever and it would just last longer. And I've just got a real soft spot for them because that was my first car was an MG midget. So yeah, an MGB, oh, yeah. something totally different. Yeah. I'd probably kill it and probably kill myself, but I mean, it'd be fun. I don't know how the drum brakes would cope. After 140 odd corners, I don't think it'd be very safe, but yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool. Yeah, I, I, yeah, like I got to worry you. Like I've, I've driven the Nebogring and I did it in my daily driver and it was an absolutely terrifying experience. It is. Um, I've recorded a video and I still haven't put it out. I need to, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's just, yeah, it's mad. So driving the yeah. Nebogring when like growing up playing on the xbox like you do driving around the neighbor going mm. i held the world record on project gotham racing back when i was at school probably explains why my grades were really bad but to actually <laughs> go to it after playing on the xbox and seeing it and i just freaked myself out because 
you think it's flat like it is in the game and you go around a corner and there's an uphill section that you don't recognize because that's flat in the game. So it's, it's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. But I've been around it about four times now. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I agree. And Joe, the next question, you know, this podcast, like I say, it's, it's helps. Well, hopefully it does help. It helps people, you know, find what's possible with a passion for cars. And I kind of use this to, to, to just describe what you kind of person, you know, you are deep down. And the question is, if, if you have, you know, money's not an object, you do anything you want, what would you do for a living? I think I'd probably like fully like plagiarize caffeine a machine and set up my own version of that. Um, <laughs> because it's just the coolest place that you'll ever visit. I hope uh, I'm assuming you've visited caffeine a machine. Have you? I've not really, really gets my gripe. There's something down in Kent uh, called B road. Um, it's yeah. similar. It's a car pub Yeah, and they host events. It's similar sort of vibe, but no, I, I need to go. It's like, a, yeah. I think it's like a pilgrimage for you in the UK. It you is. Gotta go, but yeah. And I think just when I last went, the owner was there and he'd got his pint of beer and he sat outside watching all the cars come in. I was like, that is what I would do. I would just sit there and watch all the cars come in. Money was no object. I would just fully copy their business and just replicate it up here. <laughs> Not very imaginative, yeah, but no. it's just inspiring, truly inspiring. I think it's one of those things where like, if you're a car enthusiast, I mean... Everyone, everyone wants a man cave where you're like cars and all, I guess. And it's just like being able to amplify what a man cave is and do it, do it with your love for cars. I think that's, yeah. I think it's most, I think most petrol heads would agree. They want a space themselves to yeah. have cars, and, have a garage. Yeah. And share it with others as well. So have some, a social space and yeah, it just ticks so many boxes for what I'd like to do. And maybe one day, who knows? <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I, I recently sort of kind of put together an idea for, um, what a storage unit would like if you put a car club in it and i like i say so i'm trying to trying to build slowly and I, I'm, I'm nowhere near you know big following on youtube or anything but <clears throat> so i can't use influence but it's an, it's an idea that you know i, I want to make happen now because because why not i think yeah it's a great it's a great idea to yeah copy or aspire to have yeah i've seen some of the plans for that on your uh on your socials mm. it looks incredible so hopefully that'll come off because that would be <laughs> one hell of a place to visit wouldn't it and somewhere to host yeah. your podcast and yeah, yeah. Be incredible um and the advice you would give to a younger you or someone that's pursuing with their passion um the advice i'd give to a younger me probably just to care less what other people think and follow your passion so if i'd have been more confident younger i probably would have started this before i started youtube quite late on and I've done some really cool stuff with cars before. I've swapped engines in my, I had a Renault Sport Megane. Well, I had a Megane CC and I put a Renault Sport engine in it. We fully rebuilt that in a shed using stumps of wood mm. to hold the car up. So I think if I'd been more confident, then I could have filmed all of that and probably built my channel even more than it is now. But yeah, I would just say to be more confident and just follow your dreams really put in loads of work and the results will will show no that's that's great and the last question is what do you love most about cars um it's the people you meet so like this is a good example of it this has come about because i've started a channel about cars it's led to a podcast so you get to meet lots of different people the porsche community like i said earlier is just fabulous for that I'm in lots of different WhatsApp groups for Porsche people. They're all a little bit unhinged, but they're also really, really friendly. 
everywhere you go, you can just, there's always a common interest when you've got two people with a cool car, you can just chat. And if someone pulled up outside in a Ferrari and I'm there in my car, you can guarantee that you'll be able to say, oh, I like your car and begin to chat. Like it just brings people together. So I'd say it's, it's people coming together is the best thing about cars. It's a common interest. It yeah. makes it easy to meet people. I, I completely agree. Um, Joe, thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure you. to get to know a bit about your, 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 your story. Yeah. Thank, yeah. You. thank you very much for having me on. I'm wondering if you could do me a massive favour, and I promise it is the only favour I will ask. Can you share this podcast with a petrol head in your life? It means so much to me that people are sharing this podcast already and letting it grow and reach more people. Thank you. This podcast allows me to meet some amazing people, and Joe is no exception. I'm sure if you're listening, then there is a good chance you yourself are a car enthusiast, and with a passion you would like to explore more. After all, if we do what we love, then our lives should be happier, right? I know that doing this podcast has given me more opportunities and allowed me to do things I didn't think possible. And with that being said, I'm Harry and this is the Ignition Podcast. Thank you so much for listening.